Hey everyone, you can probably hear a dog barking in the background. It's fine. Dogs are cool, aren't they? Great. Let me say <laughs> first uh, a special shout out to our Patreon subscribers. My apologies if I pronounce your name wrong. Please let me know and I will fix it and start pronouncing it correctly. But thank you to Blake, Red Sauce, Sailor Bear, Mael, Meg, Jules, Gabrielle, Cheyenne, a different Blair, Mary, Jade, Drew, Kate, Becca, Donna, Kirsten, Schreibmaschine, Dot Berlin, Taya, Alex, Janelle, Morgie, and Unwoman. Once again, if I have pronounced your name incorrectly, let me know. That's okay. <laughs> I will fix it later. Uh, thank you so much. I realize that a lot of these episodes have been coming out late. Uh, honestly, I'm... At the moment I announce this on Patreon, I'm searching for a new uh, secondary uh, producer, trying to see if I can get someone to take some of the load off of me so that we can get things done in a timely manner. Uh, and yeah, because I would like to be able to do that. The other thing is, this is the last month to really kick up our Patreon, patreon.com slash is a transphobic, uh, to try and make sure uh, basically I gave us a goal to reach about 250 per month. It is looking like we're not going to get there. I don't know what that means for the future of the podcast, but what it means is I do need to sit down and figure out what the future of the podcast is. Maybe bringing on another producer to help me out is what's needed, but there is a very real possibility that I could be ending things uh, for the podcast. So we'll see. Um, we're definitely going to keep putting out material until the end of the year. I'm going to start doing new recordings with folks soon, and I will make sure that all of those episodes get out uh, to you, regardless of anything else. Uh, but either way, thank you so much for all the support that you've already given, and thank you so much for the, the, the listens. Yeah, so enjoy the episode. I've already taken up too much of your time. Is It Transphobic will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. So hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us at the Is It Transphobic podcast. My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. I am the creator and host of the podcast. And today I'm being joined by... Jonathan Alexandratos. I use they, them pronouns. And I am a Power Rangers junkie my whole life. And so I can't wait to get into this. Go, go, Power Rangers. <laughs> So uh, I was I was saying to you a little bit before this that I'm going to kind of let you take the wheel on this episode a little bit more because I will freely admit like there's definitely some things I know about the Power Rangers. I grew up I grew up in that time where I was just old enough where I had to kind of hide my love for the Power Rangers mm -hmm. <laughs> where it was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Oh, but like it's dumb and for babies. Am I right? And it's just like. <laughs> No, no, it's actually really cool. <laughs> so, like, and I, I, I think about you often when I see it because of the fighting and the the sort of it reminds me of some of the fight choreography that like you're I know you're into and obviously it's not quite wrestling but like I feel like there's <laughs> wrestling ish elements. There definitely is. Like I 
I really like if, if you watch the fight scenes and a lot of it, it's hilarious because if you watch the the editing of the fight scenes, a lot of it is very similar to how they will live edit pro wrestling, like sp specifically WWE, because it's a lot of like jarring movements and like like both from the people as well as the camera operator uh, <laughs> like right. like jarring movements and you'll see something and it'll hit but it'll hit from a different angle so that you'll see it coming and it's just it's fascinating to kind of like look at that and dissect how they're doing the fight work for this uh mm -hmm. but also i will happily if we could find a way to make sparks fly out of people when they get hit i will happily incorporate that into scowl <laughs> yeah, I think they just didn't really care what the squibs did to the people they were on. So as long as you just don't really care about personal injury, you're good. You could do anything. Oh, um, man, that's the one thing about Scowl we do care about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Um, so I guess, I guess maybe it's worth sort of addressing like or just sort of saying that there are probably three questions that over the course of this podcast i i'd certainly like to sort of dive into first of all like what is power rangers just for anybody who maybe it doesn't know and like what are the parameters that we're going to have on this conversation around power rangers and then like how is power like why is power rangers on is it transphobic like why is this connected to to your podcast and then what is the sort of bigger picture here because i think that there's something bigger going on than like just talking about power rangers and i think it relates to childhood and nostalgia and um all of that good stuff um so uh I, I would just be curious to know like if you were to define power rangers what would you say it is yeah i i would say based on what i know about power rangers it is a series that revolves around teens with attitude whatever that means uh who become these super powered defenders of the earth um so that's the like large scale if we had to put it into a sentence that's what it is but really every season or at least every shift from season to series we see them take on different attributes fight a different main bad guy uh but the core of it is it is a bunch it is a bunch of youths who gain superpowers to help save the earth yeah i mean i think that 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 pretty much covers it um to to sort of deep dive it a little further, um, I can just sort of say as as concisely and quickly as I can. Uh, in 1975, circa uh, in Japan, there was a series that came out, uh, basically known or referred to as Super Sentai. This kind of the term that's applied to the, to this this what would become this huge 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 series um, in the. Uh, 80s or something uh this guy named Haim saban is watching tv in japan and sees this on television and says wow i don't know anything that's going on in this japanese show i don't speak japanese uh but i love it and so he decides to basically buy the rights for it bring it over to the u.s um, and start to to dub over it and start to make it into what would eventually become Power Rangers. At first it's called Phantoms, after that it's called Galaxy Rangers, and eventually they settle on Power Rangers, and it goes through a whole series of shifts along the way. Um, they cast it up, 
uh, Margaret Lesh at Fox buys it. She's like the only proponent of this wacky series. But Margaret Lesh is actually quite a genius because she's the one who greenlit not just Power Rangers, but X-Men in 1992, Batman uh, that same year. So uh, she really had her finger on the pulse, I think, of what kids wanted, even when every other studio executive didn't want to, anything to do with these shows. So they greenlight Power Rangers. They cast it. Um, they cast it with people who are genuinely really good at karate and various martial arts um, and gymnastics and stuff like that. So they have this dynamic uh, cast that they're able to to sort of film out of the costumes and then in the costumes they'll either cut to the Japanese footage or they will actually use um, either stunt people or the actual actors um, in the costumes that they have in the U.S. So you'll notice, for example, if you watch Power Rangers, there's a big difference between like the Green Rangers costume in the Japanese footage and the Green Rangers costume in the U.S. footage, which looks remarkably worse. Um, so those <laughs> are the kinds of things that um, started off, you know, with Power Rangers. And of course, the toy line came out. And the toy line at first, Toys R Us was really the only one that invested in it and it flew off the shelves. Um, kids couldn't buy it fast enough. Uh, I was looking the other day at an action figure digest magazine that came out, uh, in 1992 prior to the release of the figures for power Rangers. And they were kind of like, I don't know if people be into this, you have to buy the robots, which is like the Megazord and you know, do all this stuff. I don't know if people be into it. And of course people were like hugely into it. So now power Rangers is about to, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Jump in. No, no, no. I was just, I was just going to say like, it seems so obvious. <laughs> to us now yeah. that this idea of like kids like robots kids like dinosaurs why wouldn't they want robot dinosaurs like like it just feels so obvious but at the same time like yeah i, I hear that that idea of like ah, oh, it's kind of a risk we've done because especially when we're coming out of the 80s and you can you could probably talk a lot more about this but like especially when we're coming out of the 80s and into the 90s we're looking at a whole bunch of what seemed like sure thing toy franchises that are just like kids like this kids like uh, disgusting stuff so make a giant disgusting thing that oozes um <laughs> that's my that's my impression of a toy yeah. ceo i guess uh like, yeah <laughs> so so it just it does feel kind of like at that time where like yeah everything should have been a sure thing so many quote-unquote sure things failed so I, I can see why they might be a little worried about like, I don't know, uh, it's, is this going to work? Are the kids really going to pick this up? Yeah, I, I think there was one bit of analysis that they didn't do, the people who were kind of naysayers, which is it seems like historically from about the mid 70s on um, toys that succeeded had something to do with giving kids power. Like I have the power was a very important catchphrase obviously um for he-man and uh you know power wheels the the cars that you could drive yourself as a kid um you know all of these examples of like things that really did sell pretty well had something to do with giving kids power giving kids agency and power rangers power is right there in the title so you know you got it um now, of course, now that we're looking at it from 2020 perspective, you know, we have to sort of define our terms a little bit because what I'm referring to as Power Rangers, of course, is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And there have since been, you know, 28 iterations of this. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of comics, lots of different comics, uh, lots of movies that have come out. 
um, you know, not nearly as many as the series, but but still, you know, plenty of them, three of them that are, are quite well known. Um, so there's a huge, huge, and of course, many toys and, you know, all of that. So it's important to probably like describe our, our terms. And I think for, for our purposes, talking really about the first three seasons of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which, you know, is the three seasons of that show and uh, Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers, which was tacked on to the end of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That's probably where we want to confine our conversation to with regard to today, just because we could expand it more, but, you know, we would be here all yeah, with with twenty eight with twenty eight iterations, not even twenty eight seasons, twenty eight iterations, and yeah. even more, I imagine, in the 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 Japanese Super Sentai. I just yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> like I, and even then, like I, oh man. Yeah, sorry. I, I'm just like now I'm on a nostalgic trip because I'm thinking about like going to. Uh, anime conventions and going to because a lot of these folks like Johnny Youngbosch uh, is well known as being the voice of Vash the Stampede for the of Trigun so you know he was constantly at these anime festivals and like I just remember seeing anyone that I've seen from Power Rangers who has gone to one of these fan conventions fan events really loves it like I, I'm sure that there are some that don't. I'm sure that there are some that are just like no but that's probably why they're not going to the fan conventions right. um <laughs> And it's just like there, there's just some energy about this show that is really just incredibly positive. And I don't know how to necessarily explain that. It's just you hear the like do 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 and yeah. someone will just jump up and immediately go, it's morphin time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I think if we think about it, it's the first show certainly of the 90s um, that actually was live action. And I think kind of took kids seriously like i mean they were teenagers on the show uh they were a diverse group of teenagers they were uh powerful literally in the name there and i think you know there was no effort really made to like talk down to kids i mean we could look at it today and sort of say it's kind of corny um and certainly some of the episodes are but i think if you put yourself in the shoes of a kid at that time um, it's really kind of meaningful to have a show come up to you and basically say, "Hey, we're we're about you, kid. We're gonna we're gonna speak directly to you." And that's kind of what Power Rangers did. I think, like, and especially you brought up this idea of you have the power of being this, like, uh, like this concept of these teens have the power, and then especially when we're talking about toys, they were selling the morphers. They were selling the uh, those. Uh, I I think that's what they're called. The morpher, the mm-hmm. like. The, the thing the belt buckle that opens up and then turns you into a mighty Morphin power ranger <laughs> so you could so you could literally as a child have this thing and then feel like it's morphin time and then boom open it up and you have the power and and i think that you're you're hitting on something that's really big especially when it comes to like a trans lens this idea of having power and, and like having the power over yourself having the power of transformation over yourself yeah, and and I think what you're what you're saying there hits the nail on the head as far as why I wanted to to bring it up today because I also think that with Power Rangers because it was made almost as cheaply as possible, um, you know, both sort of cribbing the Super Sentai stuff and then you know 
making the U.S. material as inexpensively as possible, uh, which unfortunately included like kind of shortchanging some of the actors out of, I think, the the money they deserve for their time. Yeah. But um, but that, you know, aside, when you make something, I think that that cheaply and that quickly, like it opens the door, I think, for a lot of interpretation because and that's not to say the writers don't care about the products that they're putting out. It's just you're making it so quick that you look at it and it's almost, it could be anything. It can kind of be what you need it to be. Um, you know, it's almost like those memes that go around where uh, it's like, I asked a bot to write a Batman movie and you just come up with like every single trope in a Batman movie <laughs> and it's just hilarious. Um, I mean, this is kind of like that. So you can sit down and you can look at it and you can say, Oh yeah. Like I see my transness in there. Um, even though it wasn't, it, I mean, it's purely accidental. Like I, I would guess. Um, and we can talk about some specific examples of that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, that, it, that it absolutely goes back to what you're saying about transformation and, and being able to sort of own that. And I definitely don't want to assume that, you know, every trans person would see it that way, or even would want to see it that way, because it's a diverse experience. And everybody is certainly entitled to find their, their texts and their points of reference and totally valid. But um, for me, I, I look at certain things in Power Rangers from now from 2020 standpoint, and it actually really makes me feel comforted kind of to see this sort of transness in my childhood. And I'll give you an example of, of one of the specific ways that it's in there. Um, so in um, the Power Rangers or the Super Sentai series that Power Rangers is based off of, uh, it's called uh, it's called Super Sentai Zhu Ranger. Uh, and in that show, there is a character called Boy, B-O-I. Um, and Boy is the Yellow Ranger. So when the Yellow Ranger is then taken to the U.S., uh, in the U.S. show, uh, the Yellow Ranger is Trini. Um, now, Boy is actually a boy in the Japanese show. Trini is a woman um, in the U.S. version. Um, so you start to see things like, oh, you know, Trini, the character, when she's in her Power Ranger suit doesn't have a, a skirt piece, for instance. And the reason for that is, you know, yes, in the in Super Sentai, the women were the ones wearing the the, the skirt pieces, but that character wasn't female. Um, now, obviously, that's pretty essentialist in terms of clothing, uh, but that's kind of the mentality. But when you get that crossover, it actually becomes, I think, another thing altogether, which is just, oh, you know, maybe this is a woman who doesn't want to wear the skirt doesn't necessarily mean she's trans uh but you know i think that from a viewer standpoint i can sort of project that onto it yeah like because i i remember not even thinking twice about it and i think part of that is there are a number of pieces of media uh, like specifically like toyetic media as well as uh, various other like things that are aimed at uh, selling a product to the children where they take the what I'm going to call the sprite, which is really just my way of saying the like the the character model of the pink ranger and coloring them yellow 
because they're like, oh, well, it's got the skirt. Very clearly, this is like, uh, you know, if people can sit there and look at it for a minute, they're going to start questioning some things, especially because they're forcing the Pink Ranger to specifically wear a skirt. It's like, hmm. And, exactly. and so, yeah. But especially where they've got this like action-packed moment where everybody's jumping around. Ha ha hey, hey! Oh, you're not gonna do that! Oh, I'm gonna do that because I'm a giant pig monster! Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, I'm just a whole bunch of eyeballs! Yeah, I could do that. Hey, I... Yes, my guy. <laughs> it's a great action figure. The eyes actually pop out of his chest. Anyway, that's an aside. <laughs> but yeah, like with with that, like when you've got that going on, you don't really have the visual time or space to necessarily say huh i wonder why the yellow ranger doesn't have a skirt but the pink ranger does uh yeah. but if you're looking at like a toy box or you're looking at like a thing you can say like huh okay and exactly like you're saying like anyone can wear pants anyone can and should be able to wear a skirt but right. it's just interesting the way that they they push that so to speak well and and the toy companies i think still have no idea what to do with that because um, so Bandai America for a while was the toy company that that both made Power Rangers for the U.S. market uh, toys and also essentially imported the Japanese uh, versions of those. Uh, now that switched over to Hasbro. Uh, so Hasbro's doing all the Power Rangers toy production. And over the years, like if you line up your Yellow Ranger figures, you will see that like they don't know what to do with this because you'll notice that the original um the original yellow ranger figure is essentially like a head flipper and all of those have the same body so it's you know none of them even the pink ranger in that one didn't have a skirt it was just they they had these sort of bulkier torsos because they were fitting their head inside of it um <laughs> and then you pushed a button the head pops out it's like oh they morphed um but after that you actually see company you actually see bandai um starting to put a skirt on the the yellow ranger and you start to see bandai uh giving the yellow ranger uh fairly noticeable breasts um which you know in the show in the footage where you're importing the japanese version that's not a feature of the character and again that does not mean anything about gender, like in and of itself. It's just, right. that's not a thing that was there. Um, but there was almost this attempt, and this is really speaking into the 2000s, to just to just feminize you know, in a very traditional, very sort of, you know, that kind of way, um, that character. Uh, and I think it's kind of unfortunate. Like, I, I, I don't like that. Like, I'd much rather companies just sort of lean into like hey this is what the character looks like on the show uh there are many sort of identities that this is that this character can have uh, in the course of your play world and that's it um uh, instead of just basically saying yeah we're going to take the pink ranger mold and we're just going to use it for the yellow ranger and it'll be fine um i think there's something bigger and deeper there so yeah yeah um but I mean, that's that's only sort of one uh, aspect of the of the transness that I uh, think about when I think about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, the other one, and for me, the the one that is even more meaningful, um, possibly because I'm more familiar with this Japanese series. Um, basically, when Power Rangers got to their third season, they started to kind of crib their footage from 
uh, a different season of Super Sentai. So they were taking their footage from something called Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger, which if you ask me is the best of the Sentais. It's wonderful. The The leader of the team is this 15-year-old girl named Tsuruhime, and she uh, transforms into the Ninja White Ranger and uh, is essentially like the most powerful, you know, being on this force. When they import this, um, again, they, they sort of have another crisis because the White Ranger in the U.S. shows is the super macho Tommy. And like Tommy, <laughs> you know, as a character... Just like bleeds this masculinity. Like he is, you know, just like doing karate all the time and like, you know, being buff and like uh, very, very much announcing his like, <laughs> this heterosexuality and just is that. So you're now taking footage that is a 15 year old girl and you're pasting it sort of over this like super macho white ranger dude. Uh, <laughs> Tommy and just just to be clear also like Tommy is fantastic as a like the actor who portrays Tommy because he keeps coming back throughout the series throughout all multiple iterations of the series and like sometimes as a ranger sometimes he's literally just hey I'm the adult in the room (laughs) and like from what I understand and again like I'm just speaking on speculation I'm just speaking on like things that I've heard from other people and again like just because I've been in the convention community for a while he does it because he genuinely loves it he doesn't do it for because like oh they're giving him so much money I'm sure they're giving him money but like really like I mean I I wouldn't do that for no money (laughs) but like at the same time like you can tell and you can tell in the way that he does things he's not just phoning it in he's doing it because he loves it so yeah yeah and and i think that that's probably fair to say i i certainly don't want to um to to sort of slander jason david frank or anything um oh no I've, (laughs) i've definitely noticed some experiences that are that run a little contrary to that. Not, not to say he doesn't care. Cause mm. I think he absolutely does. I, I will never, ever, ever question that. I think what you're saying there is spot on. I think that there's a little bit of, and this is just my, my opinion on, on what I've seen. And there's a little bit of, because I have been on so much power Rangers, I own power Rangers. And so I am now a cut above anybody else who's been on Power Rangers. And you can feel, I think, a little bit of that sometimes from him, uh, which is for me a little bit frustrating. But uh, that's also not to not to call into question his his loyalty or excitement to the show at all. Yeah. And I, I will freely admit it's just been, you know, occasionally I'll pop in and I'll be like, oh, there he is. All right. Hey, Tommy. <laughs> You've seen him, and um, so one of my favorite things about the third season of uh, Power Rangers is where there's this brief moment where they no longer have a, a pink ranger because Kimberly has left, and um, the the new pink ranger cat hasn't started yet. This actually works out pretty well because the series that they're stealing the footage from doesn't have a pink ranger either the white ranger is the quote unquote girl you know so that's that's so you got your girl right that's that's the (laughs) the power ranger goal you got one um and so tommy uh still plays tommy as the white ranger with the white ranger costume that we're kind of familiar with from mighty morphin power rangers that doesn't change but he does use the zord that this ninja white ranger from Japan uses. And so of course, when they cut to that footage of the Zord, 
it's a white Zord, but the moves that the Zord is doing, it, it kind of looks like a like almost a humanoid robot, if you can kind of picture that just mentally as a as a big Zord. It's it's kind of the most femme moves ever, and I kind of love it because Tommy is sort of just doing this very graceful, like, you know, and it's totally contrary to the character that he portrays otherwise on the show. Now, again, there's nothing about that that's inherently trans because you can certainly be cis of any gender and do any move you want <laughs> because that's not a marker of gender in and of itself. But I think we have a tendency sometimes to project ourselves onto the things we love and see ourselves in those things. And so when I see that, you know, my head instantly goes to a fan fiction where like Tommy is secretly like, you know, a, a trans woman and just wants to like express it through her Zord. And I'm just like, there's nothing about that in the show. Like there's nothing like that in the show, but in my head and I'm like, that's, but that's it. That's what it is. Right. Um, so I think it's more a sense of just wanting to, wanting to play in this universe. That's already kind of started playing with itself essentially by just kind of swapping out all this footage almost haphazardly to try to make a show that's got like 40 episodes in a season. <laughs> You're just like, how do you do that? Well, you know, you have to get a little sloppy. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just, I was just going to say like, so tying it into here, like as far as I know, as far as I've seen, and as far as like, and again, like I haven't been able to go comb through the entirety of it uh, in, a, in quite a long time. Are there, like, there are no out trans or even queer individuals within at least the U.S. run of Power Rangers, are there? So there is, there is one, um, not trans, uh, but I would definitely say she's queer based on what she's kind of said in the movie. Um, so I'm talking about the 2017 movie that came out. Um, Dean Israelite directed it. Uh, it got a lot of uh, pushback from fans uh, who basically said they weren't Power Rangers in it long enough. So they there was a lot of them kind of being kids, but not enough of the Power Rangers. I loved it. I obsessively loved uh, that movie. And so the the Yellow Ranger in that movie, um, who uh, who is called Trini as opposed to Trini, which is how we kind of know her from MMPR. Um, there's a scene in that movie where they're all sitting around a fire and they're sharing stories about kind of their biggest, um, their most emotional moments in life. And Trini says, you know, my, my parents essentially kicked me out. And uh, I do remember this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so one of the other characters asks, oh, was it boyfriend trouble? And she kind of sits still and then said, then the other character says, was a girlfriend trouble? And she still kind of just still there for a second. And it's not explicitly acknowledged that maybe she's bisexual or possibly lesbian. Um, but that's kind of the implication that people have taken away from it. So uh, is there anything near the representation we would like? No, uh, I would say not. Uh, that's kind of the scene that we're kind of clinging to. Um, and if anything, I would also say that the 90s show 
um, MMPR has some, um, I would say, unfortunate scenes of like uh, specifically the um, the sort of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern characters, uh, Bulk and Skull, um, mm. doing things where the gag is just that Bulk is dressed in a way that's maybe considered more feminine. Um, and that's not okay, obviously. Like, uh, you know, I'll watch that now and be like, that's, that's seriously not good. Um, so I would love to see modern Power Rangers push back against that. Um, and unfortunately, though, I mean, I hate to feel this way, but like, I think we have a ways to go before they get there. I could be wrong. And I hope that I am. But, you know, the fan community has done a great job of doing things like making making art of the entire team where they're all wearing skirts, regardless of gender, uh, mm. uh, doing things where there's, you know, gay slash fiction and all that stuff, um, et cetera. And so the fan community, and we see this in probably every fandom, take the material and move it into a realm that's more um, diverse. Uh, but the show itself still kind of remains, I would say, quite conservative, even though that is not to say the actors are. I mean, I've heard a lot of the more recent actors speak, the ones who have been on the more recent episodes of Power Rangers, and even the older ones. And they're all quite open and, and accepting and loving people. Um, I believe that they have all been cisgender, uh, but I, I don't want to say that for sure. Cause I, I definitely don't want to, um, you know, omit anyone or exclude anyone. Um, yeah. but I believe of the main cast, that's true. Yeah. I know the only, the only other exception as far as like queer representation, not necessarily, uh, trans representation is I know, uh, David Yost, the real life yeah. actor who portrayed Billy came out, uh, at least in 2016 is the, when I saw it, uh, came out as gay. Um, and specifically a went to, uh, conversion therapy to try and stop himself from being gay and was actually, actually left the show initially, uh, due to anti-gay bullying from producers and from other coworkers, so that's it's a thing to to bear in mind, especially as we the the final question to this is is it transphobic? Is like, all right, is there enough queer representation, and how were they treated in general? Um, and and the answer, unfortunately, that we we're finding is in the early stages, particularly where we're looking at, uh, it wasn't good. Um, yeah. But you know, it's it's just a thing to to bear in mind the other the other thing i wanted to bring up is i know that you're referring to it as mmpr for mighty morphin power rangers but i can only translate that in my head to mighty morphin public radio <laughs> i get saying mighty morphin power rangers is very long but at the same time <laughs> i just want mighty morphin public radio now <laughs> I, do too. I i am right there with you just like prairie home companion as just a bunch of <laughs> ass kicking people um, I'm Ira Glass. It's Morphin Time. Hey, <laughs> with us. It's Morphin Time in the third act. We want that too. And uh, if you ever want to collaborate on a writing project, please know that I am down. Great, great, great. great. Um, so yeah, but I mean, to your point about David Yost, David Yost is actually quite remarkable. I would say because he's also done a lot um, to establish like safe spaces for 
gay and otherwise queer uh, individuals, especially kids. Um, he's got a whole like affirm yourself campaign uh, where it's very, very much like, you know, do not do not be ashamed of who you are, like who you are is beautiful and, and don't let anybody let you feel otherwise. And it is horrible what what happened to him. Um, he has turned into uh, such an amazing and, and brave uh, person, uh, you know, and I just hate that he's had to go through that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting um thing to study. I think just Power Rangers as a whole as a as a trans text. I call it an accidentally trans text like for me it just sort of falls into it partly because I think it's there but also partly because you know I am I need that comfort. So I'm drawing on the thing that I held so dear as a as a child, which I guess gets into kind of the third big question, which is like what what is the bigger picture to this? Um and why why go to Power Rangers? Um uh, why not, you know, go to something that's maybe more explicitly transpositive? Um well, I mean for me, I didn't really have those things when I was a kid. You know, I didn't really have anything to give me the language of uh, transness or being non-binary or any of that. So when I look back on my childhood, you know, I, I see a lack of nostalgia there that I can reliably say like, oh, I figured out who I was because of that. Like I didn't, I mean, I just didn't, like I didn't figure that out, which is a, you know, tricky term, I guess, but I didn't really land on, on the identity that makes me feel most like me until I hit maybe 30, you know, so uh, there was a real lack of it. And I, I really want to search through my nostalgia to find myself uh, in it. Um, and this gives me a way to, to do that. So I think there's a little bit of confusion sometimes when we talk about um, our readings of stuff like Power Rangers, people will fire back and say, but you know, they never intended that. And it's like, okay, yeah, but if we're just sticking with like intentions and that, if we're just fetishizing that and making that like number one, then you're actually cutting out a whole lot of readings uh, that are totally valid and totally necessary and important that have always been there throughout all of literature. You've always had people coming in and saying, hey, you know, I read this this way and that's meaningful to me. Uh, and that that I think we have to hold space for. There's also like because there's there's a, a very popular phrase that I, I find myself saying a lot, too, which is usually for talking to people after they've said or done something uh, that's in some way phobic, whether it's like transphobic, homophobic, racist, et cetera, et cetera, which is intention does not uh, forgive impact or intention does not. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's that idea that like just because you intended a thing doesn't necessarily mean that its impact is meaningless. Um, or and and again, like and in this, it's it's almost more of like the positive spin on that. In that, like just because their intention, like it's very much. I look at the same thing with uh, Samus Aran from uh, Metroid from the Metroid series. There's uh, Brianna Wu did a, a little like quick like just like a quick dive investigation, uh, and found that in the original um, art book for Samus, she was referred to by a, a Japanese slur about a trans woman, and mm. so it's like that's the first and that's the first written record of Samus. 
So if the mm-hmm. first written record of Samus is she's a trans slur, yeah. guess what? Samus is trans, motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, just because your intent was to make a joke. Right. Sorry, y'all. Samus yeah. is a trans woman. Anyway, yeah. bonus episode of Is It Transphobic? Uh, but, <laughs> like, <laughs> but very much in, in that same vein, like that, that idea yeah. of like, okay, well, they didn't intend to do that. They didn't mean to do that. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. you know, like, here we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And I would encourage, you know, obviously any anybody anybody but certainly anybody who's trans non-binary in the queer community um to read themselves into their own text cuz like if we don't start taking ownership of of our own nostalgia and our own, you know, media, then you know, like what's it really there for? Like it's there for us, you know, like the the people who have dealt with this with Harry Potter who are are queer uh, fan fiction writers that have been like, no, 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 we we actually own this now. So it's going to be what we say. Like that's, I think, the shift that is so awesome, and uh, and just making it your own like that. So yeah, like for me, you know, I'm reading transness, my own transness, into very specific things in Power Rangers, um, and and I I hope that I have made clear along the way that like another trans person looking at that same thing and saying, Oh, I don't, I don't really feel like there's transness there. I say that's totally valid, like totally, totally valid to say that. Um, I'm just sort of, it's just sort of more an argument for finding our comfort in, in our past, especially like in my case where my past wasn't hospitable to queer identity at all. Um, you know, we, we just long to see it there, which I mean, you know, on, on some level, like, is also worth interrogating, because I think that sometimes there's a push to uh, have narratives where somebody says, I always knew that I was trans, or I always knew that I was non-binary. I'm like, no, I don't think everybody does always know. I think that, you know, people, they, it's a whole diverse experience. So um, that's worth probably discussing. Yeah, like I, I think very much along those lines, like very much to kind of echo what you're saying. A, it's like we should normalize the journey because the journey of understanding of yourself is is very much part of it. It's you can know it, if you feel like the phrase I was born this way, I've known ever since birth, I, I've known me fits you then it fits you. And that's great. But not every trans person is going to feel the same way. Not every trans person is going to really understand. Like I can definitely find bits and pieces of my early cognitive self from preschool that totally got it. But this language didn't exist. And we didn't have cartoons. We didn't have Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And we didn't have these things that have trans characters. And so very much like, like this, like, like what we're talking about, we had to kind of find the moments that said i don't have language for this but i know that yeah yeah and i think that's a wonderful way to say it exactly and and um you know there's a there's a scholar uh ramzi fawaz who has done this kind of work with comics uh in, in a really great way um he focuses specifically on the new mutants but also looks at lots of other um comic book uh relationships and and teams and people um and just does these kinds of readings for them and uh basically makes this argument that like queerness has always been there 
Um, and, and I would make the argument that like, yes, queerness has been there. Queerness has been in toys. Queerness has been everywhere forever. <laughs> and we <laughs> just need people constantly saying that. Um, and, and basically, uh, for lots of reasons, but also to, to make sure, you know, queer phobes don't have any, uh, where to hide. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I think it's about time we should start wrapping up. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the normal questions that we ask are, was it enjoyable and was it transphobic? I, I feel like it's, it's going to be a little difficult to answer the, is it transphobic question? So let's start with, let's start with that. Cause I feel like the other one's going to be a lot easier to answer. <laughs> uh, so mighty Morphin power Rangers. I, 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 is it transphobic? Well, Alpha, <laughs> behold the viewing globe. Let's see. Um, behold the transphobic globe. Um, That's what this podcast oh. aims to be, friend. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you are Zordon. Um, and um, so is it transphobic? Um, well, you, you said it correctly earlier when you sort of described it as a, a big a big text. Um, and, and when I look at moments like that instance with, with bulk and skull, um, where clearly the punchline is feminine clothing on masculine bodies. Um, that is, that is transphobic, you know, no way around that. Um, does the show as a whole become transphobic despite even the, what I'm reading into it as, as, trans comfort to to this to this person to me um you know i would say i would say it it is and isn't like it it holds both things i mean it's unfortunate that the trans positivity has to be read into it versus the transphobia is blatant i mean it's it's there. That's surface level text. Whereas the, the transness that I'm talking about would be more subtext if you see it there at all. Um, so I guess by virtue of that, um, perhaps it does uh, actually lead more into the lean more into the transphobic side of things. However, maybe that just increases my drive to say no, like it, it has these trans messages that are positive. They're there. Uh, I'm comforted by them. I love them. Um, I don't care if Tommy would disagree with me. You know, um, I, I, I have them. So that's not really a yes or no answer, but I, so I am perfectly happy with having answers that are not in the binary. And I might not always state that Me before too. I ask the question, but yeah, like, like if, if you're, you do not have to give me a binary answer. It can literally be like a scale of one to 10. It can be a noise. It can be very much like this. Like the answer is not easy to say. Like, yeah. Cause a lot um, of, go ahead. But yeah, no, I, 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 I tend to agree. I think that a lot of any trans subtext is, accidental but there uh and unfortunately when they do intend it it is coming from a transphobic lens of a time uh 
of a time does not mean that it is excused at the same time. Okay. Like they, these were a bunch of folks that did not know how and did not know that they needed to unpack issues that they were dealing with. Uh, But at the same time, again, there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of things that happen that are just sort of like, yeah, I I can see this being like trans positive despite itself <laughs> i that's i would say thing. because of that i still i would lean more into the yes it is but not necessarily a hard yes not necessarily a like this is not ace ventura this is not like <laughs> right. like oh right. no oh no this is not ace ventura <laughs> no 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 um mm-hmm. thankfully not um so yeah i mean maybe the sound of of power rangers is it transphobic i have my my power blaster here um let me see if it still makes a noise at night oh there it goes oh all of it's coming through there's a battle yes this is the switching motion made by the power rangers power blaster the legacy edition from bandai that's what you just heard so uh yeah slogging through power rangers uh transphobia sounds kind of like that so then uh, it brings us to the other question. Is it enjoyable? Massively. Yes. Um, absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, I think that part of it is also so tied to my nostalgia that maybe the, the enjoyability of the show for me stems partly from the show itself being enjoyable. Like, I still like the the theme song and whenever the megazord shows up my eyes just glaze over and i go into a trance because i'm so happy um but the other part of it is that it makes good a time that was not good like nostalgia does so in that sense how could it be anything other than enjoyable and i think that maybe because i have come out as non-binary and i i I'm still even on a journey to discover what that truly means for me. I want I want that to exist in my nostalgia because it is such an essential piece of who I am that I I want to see it in what I love because I think no matter who you are, who you are belongs in what you love. So put it there if it's not there. Yeah. I will make the case that, um, very similar to you, my nostalgia is absolutely enjoyable about this show. Uh, I tried to watch the, I tried to watch the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, uh, one with Ivan Ooze, just to to make that very clear. And I Welcome could not finish it. Welcome to my nightmare. That's. Uh, I could I could not finish it. I yeah. honestly uh, like I there there are issues that uh, I have with family members at the exact same time. Uh, yeah. I remember my mother took my little brother and I to that movie, and uh, after trying to watch it as an adult, she is a saint. Uh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, but yeah, that, like that fucking movie. Uh, the new one I loved, the one yeah. with Elizabeth Banks. Holy oh. shit! She was a great oh, Rita okay. Repulsa. No, she was not a ah! <laughs> Rita Repulsa. But the Rita she was playing, ooh, that was a that was a good scary villain for yeah. like this age group. That's a like she was getting me on a lot of things. Anyway, um, so. I, I'm I yes no 
this is a this is not a binary answer for was it enjoyable? <laughs> yeah, and, and but yeah. yeah, I definitely embrace that as well. Uh, you know, it's it's um, sometimes I mean we're we're just sort of left with this kind of debris from our childhood, and some of it we sort through and go, nope, not going back to that. Uh, like actually, you mentioned Ace Ventura, which is horrible. And as a kid, you know, I I remember laughing at that movie, and now I I cannot even like even talking about it makes me want to take a shower. Uh, I, I just can't. Um, so that's something where you're just like, nope, throwing that out totally. Not don't need that. Um, but with Power Rangers, that's one of those where it's like, huh, there might be a there there. Maybe I can. I can work with this. Awesome. All right. So <laughs> there's I guy again. I got uh, one of the few so, gender villains. Oh yeah. Yeah, most of the most of the yeah. villains, even though a lot of them are coded yes. masculine. Uh yeah. they don't necessarily have like a like male name or like it's just i guy because that rhymes i believe right exactly um, like, i don't know what gender a giant 50 foot tall talking purse is but hey <laughs> whatever i you know i support you so uh tell people how to find you on the internet if you want them to uh anything that you're plugging uh <laughs> yeah sure i'm also on instagram as toy underscore circus and on Twitter, uh, my oft-neglected Twitter account, uh, J Alexan, uh, J A L E X A N, and uh, yeah, that one of those ways will work. Awesome, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Lucretia Deerfor, L U C R E T I A D E A R, and then the number four. You can also find Is a Transphobic on Twitter at Is a Transphobic. And even though I've been recording a billion of these all at once, it's still new to me. So the Instagram is new uh, at Is a Transphobic. Uh, you'll be able to find a bunch of random things uh, there. We're, I'm still figuring out how to use Instagram because I'm not a visual person, uh, but I'm, I'm making it work. I'm making it work, y'all. Uh, we can also go to Is it we finally have that connected so you can just go to isatransphobic.com to hear uh, older episodes to see what we've got going on and visit our store because now we have a store that you can buy mugs everyone's going going all over the place about the mugs uh so <laughs> get drink your coffee drink your tea drink your orange juice you don't have to tell me what just drink something out of your <laughs> isatransphobic mug tea while we serve the tea yes <laughs> and finally patreon.com slash is transphobic if you subscribe for at least one dollar a month you get our the episodes one week before i release them publicly and you get mini episodes uh, amazing interviews with really interesting folks some of them trans some of them non-binary some of them cis doing really cool things with gender uh and art and i release those one month prior to the uh patreon subscribers and then after that month, it goes out to the general public. So, yeah, lots of lots of reasons to join the Patreon, I guess. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Jonathan, for coming on here and talking to me about Power Rangers. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Go, go. Is it transphobic podcast? <laughs> we need Alpha. I need trans people with attitude. <laughs> Alpha, transphobes have escaped. Recruit a team of 30-somethings with attitude. We'll form the Power Blaster. <laughs>
Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.